Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, boss, man. I got this, yeah. everybody we're back with episode 16 we had a great episode 15.5 where i took the w if you haven't listened i would uh we got the whole panel here today all five guys the chorus brothers and parker doing his workout what up what up what up so we got we got the whole squad here today we're excited for this one and we also have a phenomenal card this weekend so we're excited we're gonna start we're reluctant to start, but we're going to start with recap, ankle lock. Danny and I took the L. It's our first one. It was happening. We took a dog. It was a, it was a tough look. It happened. Dan, that fight was a tough one. Yeah, that was definitely a tough one. I expected, Where did we go wrong? I expected Silva to look a little bit more crisp on the feet, and that's not saying much because he looked about as loopy as you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, it was – we were talking about it last week, and the ankle lock was more of an ankle fade on the short notice James Krause. This strategy of him spending 95% of his time coaching and then taking short notice fights outside of his weight class just doesn't really make sense and shouldn't work long term. We definitely took the L, and it was definitely not close, but I do think that it was the right set of thinking. Yeah, the other thing, too, that was really weird about that one did he not look gassed from the first punch he threw? I mean, I think that – not that he won that fight. I just – I wonder if that played a factor in the judges' eyes because the man was throwing, like, looping, I'm about to die shots. It was an interesting tragedy, to say the least. But Kraus got one. Unfortunately, the pod boys did not. Shiner, you had a parlay lock of the week or parlay of the week, and I – how it went? How'd you do on this? So I did ride with the ankle lock of the week with Silva as well. One thing interesting to note, Danny, just uh, in addition to what you were saying, it wasn't as if James Krause was so dominant at the end of the fight. He was still leaving himself completely open for shots. Silva landed a couple of those loopers. All in all, yes, I fell along with Reese and Danny. Also, the second leg of the parlay, Brian Ortega, Chan Sung Jung going inside the distance and not hit. Mm-hmm. But Kenyon Drake's 69-yard touchdown won the kid a little money last night. So, parlay of the week will be back this week looking for some units. Okay, that's all I like to hear. Yeah, I'm glad that Danny and I didn't totally bring you down with us because you also missed the inside the distance. What's this extend your record to, two and two or one and two? We didn't count one parlay. Yeah, so two and two officially. um, That would would be up 1.6 units thus far. There you go. And that's all that matters. I don't care if you're one and six. If you're up units, you're up units. Um, okay, so now we're going to move over to the prelim to this, this last week's card. We're not going to dive too deep into these. Again, none that were super, holy crap, that we need to talk about these. So, Saeed Nurmagomedov, he won in a very fast KOTKO. Looked impressive. He's a guy who you would expect just because the name and where he's located on the map would come in with that wrestling style. With the dude can strike. Continuing on in the Russians, uh, Maximum Grisham looked really good. Round two KOTKO. This one, I think, probably should have gotten done a little faster, but he's still uh, someone to be reckoned with in light, light heavyweight. One thing I didn't note about that one, uh, they actually had trained together, and so I think there was a lot of money on the under, and 
they kind of played patty cake for the first round and a half. Um, yeah, they did. I'm sure, there was some value found, but we I did not find I, it. I also felt like I was seeing a massive size advantage in there. Maximum Grisham looked way bigger. Continuing on the card, we got the lightweight fight. Jamie Malarkey for Zion. And this one I want to talk about because I want to hear what you guys had on your card because I thought Malarkey got absolutely robbed in this one. He didn't perform to his best anyways, but I was shocked by this decision, to be honest with you. I didn't so much think it was a robbery. I did score for a Zion. I'm, I'm a big Jamie Malarkey fan. I didn't think oh, wow. this was his night. But even on a bad night, he made it a lot closer than it could have been. Zion used his lankiness, and I, th- I think he won two rounds. That's interesting. I did not have that, but I also was impressed. I don't know if it was more impressed with Zion or disappointed in Malarkey with the scrambles. I, I wasn't sure. Because, I mean, you look at Zion, he's, he's primarily a kickboxer. He wants to stay at range. And it was interesting to see Malarkey not necessarily dominate the scrambles. It was weird. I don't know if it was a sunburn or a bad weight cut, but Malarkey looked super red in the face from just his walk to the octagon. It was super weird. I, I know like I've got buddies, they have one beer and they're like red in the face. I don't know if it's just like a thing that he does all the time, but he looked visibly off even just entering yeah. the cage. And, and speaking of red, this is something for any of those viewers who've never noticed it. If you ever see Dana White in the stands, he is tomato red. I mean, the dude is he either looks like he's in a sauna or he is red. He's a red man. He's a tomato. So that's something that you're going to get a good laugh at. Moving on to middleweight, this one needs to be talked about. Park Jung-Yun versus John Phillips. The reason why it needs to be talked about is because he broke a UFC record for ground strikes, I believe, with almost 300. Now, what was funny is when you look at the total strikes versus significant strikes, significant strikes like 24, total strikes is like damn near 300. So – Damaging, no. Did it get the TKO KO? No, but a win's a win. Pretty dominant win at that. The- before, before we move off of that, I don't want to get into it too much, but a little bit teaser. Junyong Park has a loss way back when to a guy named Shavkat Rachmanov. If you guys haven't peaked at this card for this week, that's a little bit of a teaser there. Continuing along, China, we're going to tap you in for this one. Jillian Robertson versus Poliana Botello. Yeah, great fight. I mean, Jillian Robertson is one of the best grapplers in all of women's MMA. She controlled this entire fight basically from the second half of the first round on once she realized she could take her down. And the thing about Jillian Robertson, which is scary at flyweight, is that once she takes girls down, she stays with them basically the entire round. Any successful takedown for her, ends up lasting normally till the end of, uh, end of the round. And she got some good ground strikes off too. Really, really good look for Jillian Robertson. Excited to see where she goes. The other thing that was crazy about that one, I actually got a really last second bet on the over because I always kind of like to see what the women's over-under looks like. And due to the fact that Robertson, like you said, is so dynamic on the ground, she the over-under was like, over one and a half minus 140 something crazy like that my eyes popped off I actually thought I just walked right into a trap bet but she landed and that's all that matters yeah we'll take those to cap it off for the prelims it was a fight that I was very impressed by Gamrat versus Guram Kutateladze Danny prelims how do we close off tonight this is a fun one because these guys are both Awesome prospects to look forward to in the division. Gamrock undefeated coming in. He's a guy I thought was kind of going to run through Garam, and Garam looked phenomenal. I know that he thought he lost that fight and was kind of complaining, or not complaining, but 
wanted to give Gamrot maybe another shot or gave him a shout out in this post-fight interview. But man, they both looked awesome. And I'm excited for their futures. Yeah, it was yeah, a great that, fight. Both both really skilled guys. Gamrot, the boxer, also with a little bit of a wrestling background, and Kutate Ladze coming out of All-Stars Gym in Stockholm, home of not only Alex Gus- Gustafsson, but also Hamzat Chimaev. Um, this was a really, really good fight. Very technical. Gamrot was good on the ground, but Kutate Ladze, his takedown defense was incredible. He was able to like throw these like crazy, almost half- triangle attempts and he would use using that move to get out i know we got a resident bjj expert over there taking notes but yeah i mean all in all yeah guram was giving him all the love giving gamrat all the love after the fight i still think that guram won that fight i'm actually very excited to see where he goes at lightweight yeah me too and the one thing that i do want to note about gamrat that really impressed me was his he didn't give up for a single second that first round did not go his way and for an undefeated fighter at the time to continue to battle through that and fight all the way to the very last second and almost come back with the win, I'm impressed to see that. Fitting fight of the night. Yeah, they're both someone to watch out for at lightweight. I'm excited to see where both those guys go. Okay, that's it with the prelims. Now we're going to move on to the main card from last week. It was overall a pretty decent card. I was really looking forward to the main event. I was a little worried about how the rest of the card was going to fare. Overall, it did okay. The lock of the week probably soured it a little bit for me. But all in all, decent fight night card, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to some, some future ones. So starting off the card was the featherweight bout between Thomas Almeida and Jonathan Martinez. And for those who tuned in last week and was listening to the main event challenge, I was on the island of Jonathan Martinez for the sole reason that the line seemed off. I thought Almeida was going to be a higher favorite than minus 135. It shocked me to see the line so low, and the line was deservingly low. I mean, Jonathan Martinez looked good. You knew both guys were going to stay striking. And Almeida has fought the more talented strikers in his career, had more experience against Cody Garbrandt, guys of that caliber. Jonathan Martinez is still climbing the ranks, but it was a good piece of work there too. He almost caught him with a front kick. He was a little outside, but Almeida didn't see it. That would have knocked him out for sure. He was just outside range on that front kick. but Really good showing from Martinez. I mean, he looks really, really good at distance. Yeah. He's able to – Stay in the pocket, get shots off. He's got a nasty right hook um, as a counter as well. For Almeida, I don't know where he goes from here. He didn't look that good in this fight, especially with all the time he's had off too. You would have thought that we would have seen an evolved Thomas Almeida, a guy who's been in there with the likes of Cody Garbrandt. But moving forward, I mean, Martinez is a name. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism that he can probably – uh, advance in this division sooner than we think and really looking forward to seeing like how he evolves within the featherweight division. Yeah. I think Martinez is going to benefit from getting matched up with strikers. I think the matchmakers are going to have to do him a favor. I, I think if he matches up with Barry stout wrestler over at featherweight, he might run into some troubles as he climbs the rank. But again, I, we haven't seen enough from him yet. And then the other thing for Almeida is if he's moved camps recently, that'd be more of a Dan question. He follows the camps closer than I do, but no, it's time for him to move camps, man. I Do something. Change something up. You're skidding. And again, I also wonder sometimes with these guys, are, do they just get thrown into the fire too fast? You know what I mean? Because like, everyone had all this hype on him, and he's fighting these top caliber, top caliber fighters. And now it hasn't aged as well because he's continuing to drop questionable losses at best. Continuing on, we lost the lock of the week, welterweight fight, Claudio Silvia versus James Krause. 
we kind of touched on this one. We all were questioning about these this James Krause. I'm going to take short notice fighters while I train jiu-jitsu. It's a questionable strategy, but so far he seems to be fine with it. Claudio didn't look great for someone who was 14 and one and undefeated in the UFC. But again, we took the 38 year old dog and a 38 year old dog he was. That was not great. Not a live dog. We learned our lesson. Yeah, kind of. You'll wait wait till later. <laughs> The light heavyweight bout, Jimmy Crute versus Bukakis. Interesting fight. Crute looked great to me. Uh, I knew he was going to get it done no matter which where he took it. But is there anything for you guys to add on this Jimmy Crute? He, he looks great. Bukakis, we didn't even see enough of him to really comment. But, man, Crute looks deadly at light heavyweight. Yeah, he, he seems like a real contender in this division that is a little bit weak, as we've, ta- as we've talked about. Um, I mean – with guys like Ryan Spann ranked, Jimmy Crute <laughs> should jump, jump up those fucking rankings. No, seriously. Like, it's a thin division, which I've talked about a lot on this podcast. And Jimmy Crute is a guy that if I'm sitting in that light heavyweight division and I'm in that from 15 to 10, I don't want to fight this guy at all. Oh, that, that's a recipe to lose your spot. What I'm hearing is that they're looking at a Crute-Paul Craig rematch um, if you guys don't remember, that was actually Crute's UFC debut. He tapped Paul Craig with the Kimura late in the third round. That's what I'm hearing. But again, Jimmy Crute, like backs up Martinez, has the athleticism to really jump in these rankings very, very fast, I think. I've yeah, also I heard uh, Misha Serkinov for Jimmy Crute. I like that one a lot better. I don't love that Another rematch. rematch. Yeah. I don't like the Paul Craig rematch, though, because if you look at his record, he's gotten a couple breaks where you're like, if he loses this one, he might be out. And then he taps a guy with a millisecond left in the fight and some interesting moments in his career. But that would be an, an interesting one to see. I think Jimmy Crew probably does okay against both those guys, but he's someone to definitely watch out for at that light heavyweight division. So it's that time of the night where I imagine Danny is dreading. Not a great time. If you want to see the actual video of this, Go follow us over on Ankle Pick Pod. We put them all up. But for those who've listened for a good bit now, you know what this is. This is the Malort bet. Danny and Shiner decided to bet. Shiner took the favorite. Danny took the dog. He's got – he took Caitlin Jukakian to beat Andrade. We discussed it for a little while last week. And now here it is. Time to pay his dues. Dan, cheers to our listeners. Cheers to ever betting women's UFC ever again. There's a lot of money. This shot means more than just uh, I lost a bet. This is a turning point in your life. Yes, it is. I know last time I lost in the Lord bet, I had a lot of animosity towards Chris Weidman. I was pretty angry about (laughs) it. This one's more of a come to Jesus moment. It's more sorrowful. I can no longer continue to cap women's MMA in the same way that I cap men's MMA. It just does not work. I will continue to point out when there's some prospects like Loma or some of those black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu women that I love, but this has really, really not worked out for me in the long run in terms of capping women's MMA. So this is more of a captain goes down with the ship moment than it is (laughs) sad. Props to Jessica Andrade. Very much props to Jessica Andrade. This is what it's all about. Are the Chorus brothers 0-2 in women's MMA Malort bets? They are. Yeah, 0-2. But only one has paid him. And right, he, cheers, paid, he paid on his brother's behalf. Cheers. Did you see that Malort bottle out of Dan? It's almost empty. 
In fairness, I did take I, I did take a chunk of that and then it got tossed. So it's a uh, same Malort bottle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing there. Dan, good, good shot take there. Yeah. I'm gonna recap this one. It was my Malort bet win. Jessica Andrade looked fucking filthy. Like I said in our analysis last week, she was gonna get inside and throw fucking shots. Not only did she land upstairs. She had one of her trademark uh, wrestling pick slams. Jukagian went down. But what really ended the fight was Jessica Andrade in tight. Caitlin Jukagian with a beat-up leg, fighting southpaw, gets absolutely ripped by a right hand to the liver, runs back, and the fight was over. Andrade looks awesome. I think she deserves the next title shot. She looks sick at 125. Danny, appreciate you respecting the bet. Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Chukagin just got ran through. I, I will say that that slam she got right back up from, but at, like even that is just to, she got right back up to take more punishment to get hit more. There was no there was no chance in that round of her even putting some, anything together. Yeah, I, I also laid a two-unit bet on Andrade. I was feeling really good about this one. I think a lot of people looked into the reach. A lot of people looked into Chukakian fighting for the title recently. There was a lot of things that were warranted for looking into. I just, I thought Andrade had the experience advantage, the power advantage, and the grappling advantage. So for me, I didn't expect it to go, I didn't even expect it to go this fast, but I felt confident on this one. And, and man, are those body shots a, a work of art. If you listen to any guy or girl who's been in the cage before and, and has worn a, t a shot to the liver, holy, it is like the most painful shot in the whole sport. They'll say it over and over again. She grabbed That's her true. chest and literally ran away. I mean, she yeah, was and then Just to get hunted down, got, took another right, right another to the one. same spot. Exactly. I mean, yeah. here's the thing with Andrade, though. We have the Jennifer Maya-Valentina fight coming up in a couple weeks. Cynthia Calvillo, who was supposed to fight on this card as well, uh, against Lauren Murphy, she got sick. So now there's a it's an interesting little uh, little tournament up top uh, at women's flyweight. Personally, if the Jennifer Maya fight hadn't been booked already, I want Andrade back in there for a belt. She's not only a sick fighter, but she's also had not only won a championship at 115, but she's also been in there in multiple title fights. I don't know if she'll end up getting the next shot or if she'll have to go through Calvillo, but my guess is it'll be Andrade fighting Valentina within the next 12 months. That fight was pretty good. Moving on to the main event, the other island that I was on by myself that paid dividends as we get, as you'll find out later in the main event challenge, Ortega. I'm calling this the new Ortega. You think of him as per, per, being a boa constrictor and having the tightest grip, but he put on a striking clinic against TKZ no less. What did you guys see there? And more importantly, do you want Ortega to go from here? A title shot, instant, instant title shot at 45? Or is there someone that you're really hoping he fights? It, it seems like he's getting the title shot next. And he, not surprising. He's got a good fan base. He's a great dude. This fight to me, the one thing I want to take away, if you are an opponent of the Korean zombie, you need to throw a spinning back elbow. It lands with 100% success rate and it rocks him with 100% success rate. So I'm sure... I assumed when he got caught against Yaya Rodriguez that they would work on that in camp. He got caught again twice. That's another thing I got out of this is there's a, there's a taped path to victory against TKZ. I don't know so much about that taped path to victory. It definitely works, but 
It's a path to victory only if you mix it in with a lot of other stuff. I mean, Yair had himself elbow of a lifetime with that KO. Brian Ortega put on a clinic, like you said. This was a brand new bald Brian Ortega. The fight didn't hit the mat once, right? Yeah, didn't need to. Right. That Brian Ortega does not get the towel thrown in versus Max. That Brian Ortega seems like a pretty interesting stylistic matchup for Volk as a big Volk fan. Um, I do think he'll get the next title shot. Yeah, Danny, I'm right with you on that. Uh, Ortega looked amazing. Ortega 2.0, no doubt. He even mixed in some wrestling feints as well. I mean, if you're a guy like Ortega, he's been known to not like wrestling because he's so good off his back. But even having the threats of going low to take uh, TKZ down, I think also allowed him in the stand-up to be great. One thing I disagree with you on this, Danny, is where Ortega goes next. Personally, as someone who really believes that Max Holloway won that last featherweight title fight, I think that Ortega 2.0 has to be tested once again against Max. Max has fought in four or five consecutive ridiculously tough fights on short notice being a company man. Why not give him the next opportunity to fight Volk again? You said the word consecutive. Isn't he the same guy coming off consecutive losses? Yes. He fought up against Poirier. Yes. He came back and he beat Frankie Edgar. So maybe not four in a row. And then he's lost his last two straight. But don't say that Volkanovski won both of those fights by such a large margin that you're not going to give one of the faces of the company a chance to redeem himself in a third fight. I don't want to talk about margins here, but I do think it was very clear that Volk won both fights. Ooh. First one as, as someone that. who's rewatched the second one many times, I think it was very I have clear. Two. I have two. I think the first fight, yes. The second fight, early on, at least the first three rounds, I thought Max could have easily won all three. I think if you change the scoring and give him extra points for the knockdowns, then cool. But, like, round three was not Max's. Round four was not Max's. Round five was not Max's. I don't want to argue about this because it was so long ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a two routes. It's either he, he takes on Max, which is probably the unlikely route, or he's going to get the next title shot. Independent of both, there needs to be open scoring in MMA. That needs to be a thing. Guys need and, to know yeah. going into a fifth <laughs> round of a title fight if they're behind on the scorecards. Imagine how electric every title fight would be. I know. I don't know about that. I, 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 it would be nice to see what the judges are scoring while it along, but I like the element of the game where you kind of have to figure out where you stand and strate- there's a lot of strategy that goes to it that would go out the window if you just openly told them where the, where the judges were going. Second that Shiner said it, Ortega rematching Holloway, I would love to see. Whether it's deserving or not, whether it's warranted or not, I would love to see it. So that closes us off for last week. It was overall a good card. If you missed it, there were a couple good highlights, a couple quick knockouts, but all in all, enjoyable nonetheless. We're on to news and notes. Today it's going to be quick. Chito Vera versus Jose Aldo. Thoughts on this one, boys? This one's I'm excited for this one. Pumped, I think, Aldo getting... Another tough fight, um, Cheeto coming off of that huge win a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this should be electric. Um, I'm curious to see how Aldo can stand the Cheeto because Cheeto throws absolute bombs, as Sean O'Malley has learned, as well as those leg kicks. Should be a really good fight. Do they announce when this fight is? UFC 255. 255? Oh, wow. Okay, that's coming up kind of quick then. That's going to be, what, a month? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. 
I'm even more excited to see the line, but I'm not going to look ahead because we're going to, you know, you know we're going to have a .5 episode of Guess the Line. Anyways, moving on. Lock of the week. Danny, last week you introduced it. Didn't go our way. I think this week I'm going to take the reins on this one, and you're going to follow in with the the how and why. Because this, I won't even lie to you guys, I had a couple on the radar, but Danny's explanation of why this is our man this week, why no matter against all other notions, we've had no choice, but this has always been our man. And I already am actually going to turn it over to Danny because the name is an absolute mess. Danny, we're taking the dog yet again. Lock of the week. Danny, go ahead. Lock of the week out of Kazakhstan, Shavkat Rachmanov against Cowboy Alvera. I think right now he's sitting at a plus 110, so not too bad of an underdog, but we're still riding the an line underdog. Line is down. Grab it now. We're on our on-ankle pick pod on Twitter. We are grabbing the line that it's at now because Danny and I hopped on it early. So when someone in the comments calls us bullshit that we got a fake line, we did not. Bet it now. Tuesday night. If you have to ride it at minus 140, that's on you. We warned you here first. But Danny, give him a little bit of insight on why this is our guide. I liked him, but I was on a couple other people that I was on, and, and Danny sold me almost instantly. So, Dan. This movement doesn't really surprise me, but it is a little bit faster than I thought. I placed it yesterday at plus 130. I mean, he's a super exciting prospect out of M1. I know that there's a lot of USP uh, future Hall of Famers and current Hall of Famers, whether it's Fedor Emelianenko, uh, Marcin Tybura, Alex Volkov, Khabib Nurmagomedov, all former M1 greats, all made the switch to the UFC. Shavkat's going to be the most most recent one. He's awesome absolutely everywhere. He's got great grappling. He's great on his feet. He's especially great in the clinch. This dude is nasty. He's got devastating ground and pound if it does go there. He's got some great sweeps too. I've seen him on his back a couple times and he didn't stay there for very long. I'll believe you me. We're taking the underdog. I love Shavkat's chance. I love his style. I love him as a prospect in the future. Okay. Carrying on this week, we are getting into featured prelims so we're going to kind of just go through the prelims of this week quick i jumped ahead to this card so with umar being off we got yoel alvarez versus alexander jakalev i the one thing about that is i usually fade yoel alvarez and i know one of you guys mentioned in our chat that he's actually the favorite here which is like how is that even possible i'm not sure We'll have to see. And I know Danny and I are going to get more tapey done as the week goes on. But on the, so those are early prelims. There's nothing really there of note, especially with Umar getting scratched. So then you move on to the actual prelims themselves. You got Jung Da Un versus Sa, Sam Alvey. I don't know why I was continuing with that fake accent bullshit. But Smiling Sam, I'm assuming, is a big dog. Smiling Sam is I have someone I notoriously fade except against Noguera, who I thought was like, oh, he's dust. He's going to lose. And then he didn't lose. He still beat Sam Alvey. So Sam Alvey's, Alvey's always an auto fade for me. Then we get into our lock of the week. I'm not even going to bother pronunciating it. I'm more – I just bet it. Uh, and then we have a catchweight bout against Casey Kenny versus Nathaniel Wood, which I'm very excited about. I used to watch Nathaniel Wood over in, I believe, Cage Warriors. I used to watch all those – English promotions. So I, I can't remember. I, I believe it's Cage Wars. I don't have it up on my sure dog right now, but he's someone that I've been waiting, long awaiting to make it to the UFC. He has. He's fought a couple times, but as you guys know from week one, lock of the week, we're 
fans of Casey Kenny on this pod, big fans. He's someone who I think is extremely talented all over the place. And so this being a catch rate bout, the size will come into question because Casey Kenny fought so recently. I'm assuming Nathaniel Woods, the one who needed this to be a catch weight. I'm, I'm excited. I, these guys are both talented young guys, but I, I would be shocked if I saw something in taping that wasn't having me on Casey Kenny. Our, our group chat's wild. It, it's, it's definitely something you want to be in, but someone mentioned that this is the first time that Ty Tuivasa is coming in as a dog. That is a ridiculous stat because when you look at his record, you're like, oh, this guy's never been a favorite. You know what I mean? How, how was he ever a favorite in, this, in, in the heavyweight division? He was a favorite over Junior Dos Santos. That is, if you rode that, that aged so poorly. Right. I mean, that's just tough. There's no way you, you can dial it up any, anywhere else than that. And then he's fighting – Long since I'm going to retire three times, but never actually retire Stefan Strew. He's a giant, if you're unfamiliar with him, and he also looks like a elongated thumb person from Spy Kids. You know those little thumb villains? He, he looks like them, but just really long. So we'll, I'm excited for this one, but being the dog, least surprising thing ever. It'll be interesting, but I also – for a heavyweight fight, this isn't one that, like, if you look away to go get a snack, I don't think you're going to miss anything. Shiner? Fair of that. I was also thinking that uh, the over in this one has come way down. Um, it was originally at uh, – the over one and a half was originally at uh, plus 100. It's now down to minus 135. So that's one to definitely watch for as well. I kind of like the over there, to be honest with you. The thing that always scares me is obviously – they're heavyweights, but Tui Voss is the one that packs the power, and, and Struve is the one that usually uses his length. So I'm excited to see it, but as always, you can never really predict especially. But I looked through this prelim card, and I've done a little bit of taping, not enough to really give any predictions yet. But other than the Nathaniel Wood-Casey Kenny fight and our lock of the week, but other than that, these fights are kind of just like – I think Dana White was just like, who hasn't fought that we can just – because this card is going to get viewers no matter what. I mean, they're going to draw on pay-per-view like nobody's business. So, anyways, you know, we're all crackheads here on the pod. We will be watching just to, to wear off the shakes. If you guys miss the early prelims, I don't think it's the end of the world. So, this is the part of the night where we're turning it over to Shiner. And, Parker, you are being utilized. It is time for pronunciation of the week. So, there's a couple notable names this week. But I'm going in the women's flyweight division. Lauren Murphy will not be taking on Cynthia Calvillo. She will be taking on this fighter, Parker. Uh, Lilia Shakirov. That's what I thought it was, too. When you you forgot to an me, A at the end of the last name. You're money, except it's Shakirova. Oh, Shakirova. That's how I had it. <laughs> Shakirova. Shakirova. Martina Navratilova. Maria Sharapova. If we want to get into women's tennis, we can do that on a different, different podcast. And here's an introduction to our brand new podcast. We are launching a tennis podcast with Kobe and Parker and myself. It is called ah! Racket. I don't what? know anything else other than what? MMA. Sh it, is, it is called ah! Actually, when you look at Shiner, <laughs> when you look at Shiner, he is the definition of a country club sports guy. He's out there playing bocce ball. Hold <laughs> on. Hold on, hold on. 
I played hockey in high school. You ain't finding no hockey in country clubs. <laughs> Kobe. You're, Perfect yeah, segue Kobe. into the main yeah, event yeah, challenge yeah, standings. Kobe, I apologize. Kobe is the man who only does country club sports. And I take that as more of a slight to Kobe not being the one referred to there. But I will take yeah. it. Not just very know good at any of those. More often than not, if I'm if I'm digging at someone on this panel, just know it's probably coming your way, regardless if it's true or not. It's and just, because in the comments, in the Zoom comments, it's primarily me chirping Reese the entire time. Too. That is all it is. I don't know why I said primarily. <laughs> that is all it is. But that's fine. I love it. Diner, I don't know if he loves it, nor do I care. The shade is continuing to be thrown his way. Kobe, this is where I turn it over to you and – I'm sitting up on my throne right now, all gassed up, because I know I had a great one. Main event challenge stats. And I also, when I saw the preliminary viewing, creeping up. Go ahead, Kobe. Yeah, first of all, I'll wear the country club athlete dig, because I'm damn good at country club sports. Um, but anyways, back to the main event challenge. Reese, you're right oh, on. You, you had a week. You had 10 points last week. Tied for second with six points, myself and Parker. Shiner in uh, fourth place, four points. Danny with just a lonely two. That brings us to a little interesting point in the standing. I still have – I'm still distanced myself in first with 128. Reese has bought himself a little bit of legroom in second with 110. Danny and Max tied for third at 103. And just six back is Parker with 97. Yeah, Parker's sneaking up. His follow, the country club athlete, is paying off. And I've been telling you this for a long time, Kobe. It's only October. I'm coming for you. I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind I'm going to behead you. Bring it so on, my man. Let's go. I'm ready. And real so, quick, before we get into the main event, we, we, yes. we look out for our listeners here at the Ankle Pick Pod. This is, an, this is a main event card that's starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you're making yes. your Saturday plans ahead of time this is like we said there's a couple of great fights on this card we don't want you to miss out so uh set your schedules we're not worried about uh daylight savings time just yet that's in a couple weeks but it's an early card so uh start drinking early and right yeah, on the country club theme kobe definitely planned his tea time around this start time as we I hope we hope i don't know sometimes kobe it wouldn't surprise me if he just goes oh yeah, i missed it Reese, you know, we're, we're watching this fight card together down in Dallas. No, so. we are. We are. We are. We're going to have a lit time. I'm excited for it. And because this fight card starts so early, we're going to have our plays out at Ankle Pick Pod nice and early for you. So please tune in. Let's all make money together. Yep. Another shamelessly phenomenal plug. So main card, first fight, we have Magomed Ankalaev versus Ian Kutalaba. We've, we've seen this one before. These names are very familiar with us, but yeah, I think what are you thinking? We, I think that we've made picks for this one now three times. Future yeah. friend of the podcast, Ankle Pick Podcast, Ankaliyev by Strikes is my pick. Okay. I'm excited for this this future. So, Ankaliyev by Strikes, that one seems very good to me as well. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop on that. I'm, I'm going Ankaliyev by Strikes. And I'm probably also – for those viewers who want to get their bet in early, I, I mo I, I I'm gonna play three units on Ankalaev money line. I think it's gonna be around three units to win a unit. So I I like him a lot here. 
Yeah, the, the first time we saw this, it was weird, and then it's been booked and canceled like five times since then. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride in Goliath, but I'm gonna go by decision, try and pick up that extra point. It doesn't. I know that a couple episodes ago I was on Kutulaba, but now with the standings as they are, it doesn't seem like a good place to take that plus two. 50 underdog or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm also going to follow suit and go with Ankalaev. I'm going to go by knockout as well. Uh, Ankalaev to win by knockout plus 115 currently on bet online. So definitely look to be placing some units there. One thing that's interesting from the first fight, Kutalaba came in and was like reacting very odd to the first couple strikes, almost like he was overplaying how hurt he was. And then he got TKO'd. I think that was no fluke. I think he actually was rocked. Ankalaev strikes as well. Is that going to sneak into your parlay of the week, Shine? Very well could. We're not picking well it live. We're not picking it live tonight. No, understood, no, understood. Not enough cerveza flowing, but yes, that's I believe right. that's going to be in there. If it's in the parlay, parlay please play it straight. Ankalaev landed flush. He wasn't out when the ref stopped that, and so I don't see him going out. Interesting. I mean, that was also 38 seconds into the fight. I believe that there's 15 minutes of fighting, so... The first 38 seconds showed anything. It showed that it was looking to be an Ankalaev knockout. In and the don't end. kid yourself. These are, these are big, big men. I mean, the power these guys possess, regardless, eventually, you just if you continue to take it, you'll, you'll, you'll learn the hard way. Parker, curious about your strategy this week. Are you, you caught up in the, the rankings a little bit? You started to gain ground. Are you continuing with the strategy of following country club sportsmen or are you uh there is no point to reinvent the wheel here i will be following uh the great country club sportsmen and yeah let's ride we'll see well i i hope this works for you i'd love nothing more than for shiner or danny to, to come in last we'll see i mean he, he literally don't, don't put that bad juju on danny just put it on shiner i know but could you imagine if dk cap or mma was sitting in the bottom of the totem pole oh so continuing on the main card we have Lauren Murphy versus Lilia Sherico. No way. Sherico. Got a double Sher pronunciation of the week out of this one. <laughs> I mean, I don't even count on pronunciation of the week. I, I have a very tenuous grasp on the English language. We're not counting it. And, and her Holy, name isn't ahead. even part of the English language. Anyways, Lauren Murphy I'm decision. I'm not going not gonna to get too deep into this one, but uh, uh, the decision is the women's three-round fight. That, that's where I'm going to stick. Um, and, and hopefully this deviates. I, I don't like this, but I'm with him. I think Lauren Murphy has the experience. I'm excited to see her grind this one out. Uh, and I, I don't, I love hammering the overs in women's MMA. So the only answer was decision. So, yeah, I know that I've been talking about how I'm terrible at women's MMA here. I also really dislike Lauren Murphy. I dislike watching her fight. I think she's gotten a lot of favorable decisions that she didn't deserve. I'm going to ride Lilia Shakarova here. Interesting story about her is she was on an Olympic wrestling track until at, at one of her fights, she tried to take on an entire team in a boxing match and got disqualified from the Olympic trials in Uzbekistan. And that's why she turned to MMA. I'm going by decision as well. I do think that this one's not going to end inside the distance, but I'll take every opportunity to fade Lauren Murphy against an exciting prospect. Yeah, I'm excited for this one as well. Um, interesting, Danny's analysis actually helped me on my pick as well. I never want to take someone who takes on an entire team in boxing. It's a perfect way for me to fade you. Lauren Murphy via decision as well. Let's get it. And Parker is following Country Club Kobe with Lauren Murphy via decision. 
the the thing is, is I wanted to go with you. I was looking at this one really closely. The experience level is really what deterred me because she can have the mental game for her. She can have the physical game. When you're fighting people who are one and three, two and two, very little experience. I'm I'm worried that Lauren Murphy is going to be able to take her into into waters that she's frankly never been. But at 180, I I love it. That takes balls of steel and good on you. It looks like you're on an island. And so far in this podcast, islands are the place to be. When someone has a sneaky suspicion on an island, it's, it's paid off for them. So continuing along the card, this one is Phil Hawes versus Jacob Malcoon. Malcoon. Hawes is a big favorite, and four of his last five wins have been by strikes. So that's where I'm going to stay. Interesting. This is where I think I'm going to take my shot. Phil Hawes is someone who's like a physical specimen. I mean, he is just a huge man with extreme power. But sometimes when you are that size and you have that type of physical domination over people, you sometimes lose yourself in the, in the technique aspect of it or fight IQ aspect of it. And he was on Tuesday contender series, lost to Julian Marquez, who has been cut from the UFC, got caught with a head kick. Since then he has four first round finishes in Bellator, Brave CF and WFC. And then he got another shot on Dana White Tuesday contender series, which ended in a TKO KO. I think it was his most recent series, no less. So he's pretty fresh. He's fought good guys, but I think that that was saying in our bet the spread really holds true. And again, I've, I've not taped this one yet. I've been doing mostly prelim work so far. It's early in the week, but Dana White really needs to see a lot from you before he gives you a contract. And that's really where Tuesday Contender Series came to be even to get on that show. I mean, you look, Impa won a dominant faction as a dog, and he put him into a developmental program. Dan Hardy won with a very big name, put him in a developmental program. And so seeing a guy with 4-0 in mixed martial arts, hopping straight up to the big stage, that, that tells me that Dana saw something that is there. And it's going to be tough to tape this guy. I mean, he's got very few fights and very interesting organizations. And again, do not bet this, but I'm going to take Jacob Malcone and I'm going to do it via, let's go strikes. That seems nice to me. Seems sexy. So yeah, this is, this is also one I don't know super, I, I didn't tape very hard. Phil Hawes, as Reese said, he's been on Contender Series twice, going 500 in that. For me, he is a Sanford MMA guy. He is having the preparation of Henry Hooft in his corner. They've been pretty nice recently. I know in interviews, Hawes was saying that he trains with Derek Brunson a ton. And that's an, a great guy to take advice from, a great guy to get roles in with. I'm going to go Phil Hawes here by decision. As Reese said, it does take a lot for someone who's only 4-0 professionally to be on a main card of a UFC pay-per-view. Dana must see a lot in this guy. And from yeah. the one fight I watched of him, I didn't really see it, but I'm not going to question Sean Shelby's decision-making. Yeah, and again, this is Tuesday, so the truly the best way to stay up to date with not only our picks, but where we're leaning, because main event challenge is done early, and it's relatively preliminary. When we get deeper into the taping, I know Danny and I spend a lot of time week in and week out making sure that we get as much knowledge as possible, not only for our own picks, but for you guys as well. So there's been times where what we have in the main event challenge, we end up riding the opposite in a bet. So just the best way is to follow us on Twitter. We love all chirps as well. Feel free to throw some shade at Country Club Kobe or 
fucking rat bastard Shiner. I don't even know what else to call you. Going in with that, that's going to be the transition. Shiner, who are you liking? Well, perfect time to plug actually at MMA underscore Macher, (laughs) M-A-C-H-E-R. Follow Mach Inc., also a uh, up-and-coming luxury brand. I'm going to follow Country Club Kobe on this one. I'm going to go Haas via strikes as well. But in terms of the parlay of the week, I really like this fight inside the distance. I believe it's right around um, a minus 110 clip uh, currently. Uh, actually, it is minus 245, interesting well, enough. Minus so 245, this fight? Yeah, yeah. yeah look, for the, uh, look for the main card, at least early on, to be uh, a lot of quick fights as well. Okay, I was still thinking about that luxury brand. People, check it out. This man knows luxury. That's a, that's a Country Club Kobe endorsement right there, and that's luxury right there. I haven't seen anything else like it. And then Park riding along with Kobe. So, Kobe, who did you have again? All strikes. Okay. The island is where you want to be, gentlemen. And you also want to be riding this guy. I chirped TK Capper MMA and it backfired. So, continuing on, this is a six-fight main card. This one is where the actual knowledge comes into play because a lot less taping is required. We've seen these guys over and over again. At heavyweight, we have Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. I'll jump in here. I've got Volkov by strikes. The decision for method was really just, I've got a couple other strike strike calls here thus far, so I'll, I'll, I'll ride them. One of them's going to hit. I love the knowledge, and I respect it. However, Volkov's fight IQ goes into question because Walt Harris fights a similar style to Derek Lewis, who obviously clipped him. However, I'm chalking it more up to a fluke. I'm going Volkov, but I'm actually going to ride it via decision. So over two and a half rounds is plus 105. Don't lay that. I really wish this line was over one and a half. But Volkov decision, I think he's going to treat it very similar to the Greg Hardy fight, very similar to the Derek Lewis fight. It's going to be just knowledge of the game and overall striking to, to get the job done. Yeah, I'm actually right there with Reese. I know I mentioned it um, on the lock of the week. Volkov's a former M1 champ. Um, I know that Harris has powerful hands, but I just don't think that it'll be enough to get Volkov out, who's just a super talented kickboxer. I think he's younger, bigger, and more technically sound. I'm going to go Volkov by decision. Plus the reach, which is enormous. And I know Jukakian soured that, but we're just marking off as women's as a different league. So, Shiner, you have a chance for an island, or are you going to continue along with the boys? I'm going to continue along with the boys here. I'm also going Volkov via decision. I think this is an interesting one. Um, Walt Harris, the big tickets, beat Alexi Olenek, coming off a loss over Alistair Overeem. Volkov's guys fought a bunch of really tough guys. I do think that this goes all three rounds. I'm taking this. Park, you okay. want a chance to get on the decision yeah. with the rest of the no. crew? He already waved the white flag. Nope. He's trying to just knock it out of last. But, Parker, we're allowing this, but it, once it becomes a heated race, make you go first. <laughs> well, don't forget that uh, once a week I can use my draw play where I automatically win the entire thing here. So I might need to be doing that sometime soon. <laughs> you can. That is true. I mean, it's giving up points, but you can do it. We have no problem with that. Moving along, that's everyone's picks. Parker's going to continue to ride. So this one is one I'm really excited for. A middleweight co-main against Robert Whitaker versus Jared Cannonier. Kobe, this one's this one. There's the line won't help you here. I know your tendencies to ride the favorites, and then you go to method and you figure out which one's also the favorite. I respect it. I do, but this one can't save you. Where are you Reese's, going? 
you're right on to me. Anyways, fr- from the set the spread episode, the dot five episode, I know that Whitaker is one of both Dan and Reese's favorite fighters. I've sensed some pessimism out of the Whitaker camp from you two. I'm going to ride Cannoneer by strikes here. Cannoneer just got, what, four straight fights finished by strikes. And two each of his last two losses are from Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz. So I like Cannoneer by strikes. That's interesting. I'm glad to hear it because up to this point in the night, I haven't, other than my crazy island pick, I haven't been able to really pick up points on your ass. Here's where I'm going to do it. Bob Whitaker is one of my guys. He always has been. I've been someone who's been on him for a long time. I rode him in both Yoel fights. I've continued to ride him. And the thing that that always has scared me since those Yoel wars is his chin. Is his chin compromised? I I am I still think it is. And and that's where Kobe, I go, okay, I see what he's doing. He's taking Canadier by strikes, I guess. I think that Bob Whitaker's mental is back in it i think that his knowledge of the game is tremendous compared to cannoneers and i think realistically speaking other than power i think robert whitaker can can take him into some some deep waters so i'm gonna go whitaker and i'm also gonna take it by decision which is shocking i don't think i think that he basically avoids getting his head taken off but something that whitaker's always done really well throughout his career is not necessarily dominating fights, but he knows how to win fights via scorecard. He knows what the judges are looking for. He knows how to get ground control. He knows how to get clinch control. He knows how to land. I almost, I almost feel like he has a strike ticker going off in his head to know where he sits. So he's a guy that I really hope he gets another title shot. I, he's a guy I love, and I'm going to go Whitaker via decision. I love that, Reese. Um, obviously, it's an interesting – it's worth noting that Izzy has reached out to Jared and he thinks that Jared's next so long that Jared gets through Bobby Nux. Um, Jared's big and scary. He started at heavyweight. He's absolutely shredded at 185 uh, and he still hits like a truck. But as Reese was saying, if Whitaker is who we still think he is, someone who uses, he weaponizes his blitzing, weaponizes his high-low attacks, his changing of angles, his trap setting, uh, his, his switching stances mid-combo, and his jab-high kick combo, not to mention the huge speed advantage, Bobby Nux should be better here everywhere. He has better cardio. He has better wrestling. I think he should be better on the feet. I've got, I've got Bobby Nux by decision. Yeah. I am a little bit afraid of his chin. I know he got dropped early yeah. in that till fight, but – I think I was on an island versus Till. But when I look at Jared Cannonier, do I think that he's technically better on his feet than Darren Till? I don't. Do I? He's no, not bigger. More, he's I, – I do wonder about the the power out of Cannonier. I think if you ask the average casual fan, I think they would tell you Cannonier by strikes is the way to go, like just off the gate. I think it's the one that looks obvious on paper. But, Dan, I, I'm with you. The way the Reaper is just too smart. Yeah, and the way he sets things up, it's like as long and, – and, and, and let me put this – if he gets KO'd here within the – I mean, if he just gets absolutely mauled and KO'd, which I think is Canyon's game plan, I, I wouldn't – I might start asking for either for him to consider retirement or – and not because he's old, but because you, this sport is unlike any other sport where it really takes a toll on your physical and mental. And you only have such a, a big window. And 
I like to see Whitaker fighting for the championship. I think it's where he belongs. I think he's going to go down as one of the best middleweights to, to do it. But if, if seeing him get knocked out and taking those drops from Yoel and then getting dropped by Till and, and getting obviously absolutely KO'd by Izzy, it's like you, you hate to see it. And also from a guy who battles with mental health, which is something that I respect that he brings to the table in the, in the forefront for everybody. Uh, you, you you never want to see that. And and so he's one of my favorite fighters. I love him. I, I hope he gets a decision win here. I also would love nothing more than for him to get another crack at Izzy. This, this fight might be my favorite fight on the card. You met, you mentioned his mental question marks and it did kind of seem like he went into that Izzy fight too hot. And then he went into that till fight too cold to quote one of my favorite people in the world, Herb Brooks. Have you ever seen that guy when he's on? It's crazy. Best I've ever seen. I'm telling you, I've been on him for a while. He's he's one of the best middleweights to ever do it. That and and one last thing before Shiner picks, GSP ran from him. The Hall of Famer. He beat he bit this beat this big and then just goes, you know what? I'm out. I'm gonna relinquish this one. I don't I want no part of Bobby Knuckles, which I respect. Shiner, go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna follow suit with you guys. I'm also gonna go Whitaker via decision. Kobe, I like the pick though. Cannonier definitely is trying to come in and rush and get this fight finished very, very fast. One thing that's interesting of note, Robert Whitaker hasn't fought a three-round fight in like over three years now. I really like that as well because I think that in three rounds, he knows how to stay in there with anyone. I mean, we saw it with UL both times. I'm also going Whitaker uh, via decision. I'm really, really excited for this fight. I also think as an Izzy guy, Izzy called out Cannoneer because I truly think he's more scared of Whitaker right now um, in terms of the actual fight. Maybe in terms of the ability to market, he likes Cannoneer, the fresh blood. But truthfully, I think he knew the, the test that Whitaker was going to be, and he got out of there relatively unscathed. But nonetheless, I'm going Whitaker. I want him to get back to – I want to see him fight Izzy again as well. Whitaker via decision. And then Parker is going to continue to ride the Kobe train, so he's going to be on Cannoneer strikes. Another opportunity to pick up points for him. And then going into the main event, and this is one that I worry there's going to be no deviation, but we'll see. We got so Kobe before the main event starts, I just want to chime in again with another shout-out to Jessica Andrade with the Thunder Thighs. You're a fucking baller, Jessica. This is for you. Oh, here we go. Another Malort. For those who don't have video, which is the nobody. The third Malort shot of a proud payer of a bet. This is some nasty shit. If, if you're unfamiliar with Malort, look up videos. It's like kicking your mouth in the nuts. Uh, Cheers. Cheers. Oh, even just doing that gives me the chills down the spine, just watching it. Oh. Although the third gross. one, I mean, he knows what he's in for at this point. It's the first oh, I mean, one of the night is, is tough. No, it's the first one of the night, but, I mean, he's he's drinking it for fun at this point. It seems like this is I'll let you know as someone uh, that has never paid their bets, it doesn't get better. <laughs> I mean, it's like picture taking shots of bug spray. I mean, that's what you're doing. That, that is what the man's doing. So with that ceremonial Malort, that is Danny washing away last week. We're moving on to this week. He poisoned last week because that shit is actually poison. So we have a lightweight main event. Habib Namurgamedov versus Justin Gaethje. Kobe. I'm going to chime in here because Reese didn't bring any energy for that. Fucking lightweight title. Probably going to be Khabib's last, second to last fight. Coming off the, the death of it's Abdul not Manaf's father, to last fight. it probably is. Gaethje coming off of the win over Tony Ferguson in the fight that brought the UFC back to the fans. I'm fucking amped for this fight. Amped. 
as you should be. I mean, this fight is one that all of us madness for me. I being the long-term fan I am, it's hard to get excited for a Khabib fight that doesn't have Tony Ferguson on the other side. Am I the only one who feels that if he retires and it is not, if he doesn't fight Tony Ferguson, that is going to be one of the greatest tragedies this sport has ever suffered. I mean, I need to see it. I, I just Tony had a chance. To Tony had a chance and he met the human but, highlight reel. All right. That's true. Let's see. And I think that people are going to be very surprised by Gaethje's wrestling, but that'll be something that I'll get into. Kobe, go ahead, lead it off. I already know where you are because you're Mister. I'm gonna pick straight chalk, but let me let's let's see what you got. That's like a quadruple little a alliteration. Country Club Kobe picks chalk. Uh, yeah, Khabib by sub. He's gonna wear his Dagestani hairy chin into Gaethje and come away with the sub here. Sub, okay, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. That's I I was not expecting a sub. I this one kills me because every single time. Habib has ever fought. People are always like, "This is the guy that's going to give him trouble." This, this one's the guy. And and again, I do think Tony actually might because he fights so well from the bottom. But you've heard that about every single guy he's fought. Con Connor's the guy. He wasn't even minus two hundred yet, or like you know. And so I've heard it again with Gaethje. Is Gaethje the guy? Is this the guy that has the wrestling and the striking to bring to bring down Habib? In short, the answer is I don't think so. I'm going to ride Habib until he tells me until he proves me otherwise, which he's not going to. With that being said, I'm going to go Habib as well. But I'm actually going to go by KOTKO. I think that what's going to end up happening is God, submissions are so good. I'm going to go KOTKO. I'm going to try to get some points on Kobe. But submission is definitely where you want to be. But that's fine. Yeah, as, as Reese said, it seems like for the past four or five Khabib fights, because of how dominant he is, the entire narrative going in is this is going to be the one to give him trouble. Not even this is going to be the one to beat him. I do think that Justin Gaethje has the skill set to make this more competitive than the Poirier or the Connor or, I mean, everything except for the Ayakinta fight, honestly. He's the power to hurt him on the feet. We've heard a lot about his wrestling, even though we haven't seen it in MMA. And mentally, he does not care about his health, which is makes him a dangerous person to have staring at you in the octagon. Betting against Whitman is also a terrible strategy recently. I think like hearing him and hearing Gaethje talk, it sounds like at least way more than Poirier, way more than Connor, they understand the challenge that's in front of them. They understand everything that Khabib has. And Khabib's a guy who's that much of a higher level than everyone else in the lightweight division that he doesn't even have to like set up his shots. He can dive from the corner to the wrong hip and still come out with a takedown. He's absolutely ridiculous, even though he's not the most fundamentally sound footwork guy or even strategy guy. He just is that good. I can't see myself betting against Khabib. I got to say I'm concerned for him, but I'm going to go with Kobe here, Khabib sub. So I'm really torn on this one, to be honest, because there's an opportunity here for me in tied for fourth place, only I think seven back from Reese, to make a full six-point swing if I take Gaethje. And the reason why I'm thinking that as well, and I know Reese was touching on how he needs to see Habib Tony, which we all do, but Gaethje was incredible against Tony. 99.999% of UFC fighters get finished long before Tony went down. The fact that Tony's even thinking about fighting right now is beyond me. Gaethje absolutely destroyed him. Daniel, give you your moment, but I'm making my pick. 
I'm going to go Gaethje knockout. I'm not going to bet this, but I'm going Gaethje knockout. A, because of the chance I can pick up six points. B, the chance that I think Gaethje's the best wrestler that Khabib's ever faced. I know everyone's saying that right now. And I think he's going to be able to at least make it tougher on Habib to get those knocked out, uh, get those takedowns, to get that bottom leg under and really kind of start going to work against the cage. I'm not that confident in this pick, but I think it's definitely a possible option here. Gaethje has the most dangerous hands that Khabib has ever seen by far. And he has the wrestling ability, albeit not tested too much yet in the UFC, to hopefully make, uh, to put a damper at least on Habib's takedown game. Total island, total gutsy pick for me, Gaethje knockout. I love it. I'm just happy that everyone's not. But again, what did exactly did Danny and I say? This is the guy that's going to give Habib trouble. If uh, if history tells you anything, it it probably won't. But who knows? That's why we. That's why they fight the fight. I'm excited. You really never know. If if Gaethje pulls this off and KOs Habib, I will literally lose my shit. MVP, I don't know what, get MVP Hall of Fame. He's probably already in the Hall of Fame, but Hall of Fame. I don't know what you do. I mean, I don't know Nine how Nine bonuses in six UFC fights. I mean, the guy who's going to take like, multiple weeks to come down from that. Like, just me to too. wrap my head around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be insane. What happens if Gaethje wins and then Poirier knocks him out? Knocks out Gaethje? Yeah, again. When's Poirier getting a guaranteed next title shot? And I, I never and said guaranteed, but I, he did uh, knock out Justin this, Gaethje. We need to cut the speculation. We need to cut the speculation. Yeah, and Danny, I got I got weeks and weeks and weeks to come down off of Gaethje knocking out Habib before we even think about lowly Dustin Poirier getting the next shot. Get out of here. First off, we all know what's actually going to happen. Agreed. It's probably going to be Habib grinding it out. So then also, Kobe, throw Parker on for Habib sub, which is honestly where you want to be. I'm taking KOTKO. And that is it for episode 16 now, boys. It's gone fast. I won't lie. It has gone fast. This has been an absolute blast. We love having all you listeners. We really appreciate it. We check the metrics every day. We're obsessed. We love just seeing this thing grow slowly and surely. And we hope nothing more than to make you guys money or at the very least make you guys more knowledgeable and bigger fans of the sports. We're signing off. Until next week, we'll talk to you Sunday for Guess the Spread. Follow us a follow at Angle Pick Pod on Twitter. Rate, review, subscribe. We'll Show Shiner. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Good music. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.